Welcome back. Welcome back. It is December 29th. We're not taking vacation. Everyone else is, Ryan, but we're back. We're here doing the thing. We're back. I hope everybody had a great holiday, got a little rest, ate a few ice Christmas cookies, and they're ready for a fun, fun episode. Fun episode. I mean, our last episode, we tried to keep it under two hours, but we just couldn't do it. There was so much to talk about, and it makes sense, right? I mean, we had the biggest NFL week, and we can't wait to talk about that, especially uh, not only this recap episode, but I think our episode on Friday might be the first time we'll have to preview almost every except for like maybe one or two games because there's so many playoff scenarios out there. I think it hurts my head. I need to call Steve Karnacki and see what he's doing because that guy seems to know what's going on. Might have to move our interview that we have scheduled for Thursday to get Steve on. Just be like, look, go through it all. Just tell the people what's going on, Steve. (laughs) A little different uh, show today because obviously, look, we're we're, uh, college football, the bowl season's going on. There is a good game on uh, tonight between Miami and Oklahoma State. Um, But I mean, really, the bowl season's all about key matchups. And sometimes those teams show up, sometimes they don't. Um, there, you know, and Ryan and I will talk, touch on dabble, if you will, <clears throat> in the WVU, uh, army game that's scheduled for new year's Eve, <clears throat> but Ryan, I, um, I can't wait. We're going to do buy or sell first. We're going to talk about, uh, the Christmas day game and then two out of the three NFL Saturday games before we get to our massive interview. And let me guys, it's amazing. Uh, that interview, um, with John, um but and then we'll talk about the rest of the nfl slate on the back half but ryan let's dive right into it as always we trade weeks on who goes first on buy or sell so give me your first buy or sell story it is my week i I forgot about that all right so i have i have two football ones for you to start then we have a basketball one to close this out so my first question is we have a little bit of a quarterback theme today ryan so reading some stats today from the nfl quarterback play from the 2020 season Did you know that Gardner Minshew has more pass yards per game than Drew Brees and Ryan Tannehill, better touchdown to interception ratio than Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson, higher quarterback rating than Ben Roethlisberger and Kyler Murray, and a higher completion percentage than Tom Brady and Matt Stafford? Uh, No, I did not. Okay, well, I think that many probably wouldn't. Now, he's had a few injuries through this season, and it's derailed some of his progress, if you will. But there's a lot of talk now that Trevor Lawrence will be the number one pick and will go to Jacksonville, where Minshew is. So do you buy or sell that Gardner Minshew is worthy of a starting quarterback job in the NFL? Hmm. I tell you what, I think for the time being, I might switch it up on you here. I think I'm going to stay. I think I'm going to stay because I I, I definitely don't want to sell it because last year I was the guy who loved Gardner Minshew. I was like, man, Jacksonville found a quarterback, maybe not a franchise quarterback, but found a quarterback, you know, very Alex Smith type-ish, you know, that can keep you above water and get you to where, you know, one or two wins, you know what I mean? He's not going to light the the scoreboard up or anything, but I don't know what happened. Maybe they just didn't give him the time that he needed this year. And they were so focused on just trying to get wins early in the season. So they pulled him right away, but he's not, he's not bad. Right. And, and, And he's very, 
he almost gives Jacksonville a spark. Even when he came in that game, not this past week when they played Chicago, but, but the week before, the team just rallied around him. And he, I mean, he's still a captain on that team. Um, I, I mean, if anything, maybe Jacksonville keeps him as the backup, like a, almost like a veteran type, like, hey, Trevor, this is what you need to do. You know, this is how you act in locker rooms, those types of things, because teams do do that. I mean, all the time. I, what I find fascinating about it is <clears throat> if uh, you look at Jacksonville's quarterback history, it is incredible. Some of the quarterbacks that they've had there, right. And that like they're average enough to like get you maybe one good season every like six, seven, eight, nine years in Jacksonville. And then you go on another like terrible run. Like Mike Glennon was playing yesterday. Like what? I mean, David Garrard, Remember David Garrard? What, Love what David Garrard. Picked? The East Carolina specialty. Right. I mean, you had Mark Brunell, who took uh, Jacksonville way back when into the AFC Championship game in the 90s. You had uh, Mike Glennon. Remember Mike Glennon? Well, I, I yeah, mean. From, from yesterday, yeah. From yesterday, yeah. I mean, I'm, it's a long week. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, I mean, you have guys like that who play in Jacksonville, and you're like, I, I, I don't know. You know what I mean? Because David Garrard, people used to think he was like the guy in Jacksonville, and I'm pretty sure he got a big contract. Well, and Byron yeah. Leftwich even before him. So Byron, Byron Leftwich. Oh, what a name, Ryan. What a name. Congratulations. 2003 in the same draft as Carson Palmer, kind of the, uh, the one-two punch, if you will. I think I'm going to have to I, – I know it's a cop-out, but I think I'm going to have to stay instead of buy or sell because I just think, if anything, maybe he finds another team and, he, and he's and, – uh, he's a starter because teams quarterbacks go down all the time it's not like people are looking at Gardner Minshew and being like hey we can't touch this guy he's radioactive he's definitely good enough and he got Jacksonville on if you remember last year they were the story of the season for the first like month and a half from like October to November until they fell off because of him so Minshew mania um, yeah I, I think I'll stay and I know that's a cop-out but what's your thoughts so he was the story of the season, and we got to see a lot of pictures of him in jean shorts. That's that's what I and remember. Dad in the stands, every single like camera shot. <laughs> but so I've actually kind of walked the line on on both, right? I've I've thought about the the buy, I've thought about the sell. I'm actually gonna I'm actually gonna buy it, and the reason I'm gonna buy it is is because Gardner Minshew could potentially remind me of somebody. Now this is I'm I'm going to come in with a crystal ball prediction here. This is my crystal ball prediction for the day. We're going to look way down the line here. Gardner Minshew kind of reminds me of somebody who could turn into a Ryan Fitzpatrick. Somebody who is a a bridge type quarterback in some ways to the next person, maybe never gets the the best team. He's always going to go to the situation that maybe isn't the most ideal. I mean, if you look back through Ryan Fitzpatrick's quarterback history, you're like, oh, he's played for some good teams. But it's when those teams were almost all at their worst in, in a lot of ways. I think Gardner Minshew might do something like that. The other, the other part of it, though, is there's a finite number of quarterback spots in the NFL. There's 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL. There are 32 people deemed worthy to do it every year, and there's some of them that are just not going to change. So Gardner Minshew could could realistically be one of these quarterbacks, but I think, and again, I know it's kind of a wild look into the very far future, but I think we could see him potentially as a Ryan Fitzpatrick type 
more noted as a career backup, but it's still good enough to start and will start for teams down the road. Uh, certainly we're predicting again, 15 years potentially into the future because Ryan Fitzpatrick has made a career of that. But I think Minshew is good enough to start when he's in there. You're right. He does provide a spark. He's, he's a, he's a fine enough player, but he's not one of those players that's going to completely take you over the top. Right. So he's not going to potentially alter a franchise, but he is good enough to start in the NFL. And I think he's proved it. Yeah. I think, um, next year he will get a start this is my crystal ball not by choice or anything but i think a quarterback will go down someone's going to need him it's not like a blaine gabbard type of situation when blaine left jacksonville and he was radioactive no one wanted to touch him um and he really only got to start in san francisco when he left jacksonville because of the kaepernick situation Mm -hmm. um and that team was bad with chip kelly but uh, yeah how do you how do you feel about new england I don't hate it, man. I don't. I love that, actually. Uh, I, I didn't even think about that. I mean, you know, it, it's uh, he, he to me, is a perfect just keep, like I said, he's a guy that can keep you above water, manage a game. If you put some skilled players around him, I'm sure he can make plays. But, I mean, when you watch him, you're not like, eh, you know, like you're, you're not ashamed to have him on your team. You know what I mean? Because some backup quarterbacks, you're like, whoa whoa, I see why they're a backup. You know what I mean? And you, you know what I'm talking about. Like Mason. Well, we've Rudolph. all been there. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I don't know. Um, it'll be interesting going forward with him though, but that, that was uh, some pretty interesting stats. Who, who, uh, what did he have over Matt Stafford? Uh, over Matt Stafford, he had a higher completion percentage and also a higher completion percentage over Tom Brady. Wow. Wow. Um, my first buy or sell story. It's uh Ryan, I uh, used to watch Full House on um, Nick at Night and get a bunch of uh, inspiring stories as a kid from Aunt Becky and uh, Uncle Jesse. Well, Aunt Becky, if you remember, was part of one of the biggest scandals that Hollywood's had in the last couple of years. Excuse me. Uh, she was released from prison, from prison today for the college scandal after serving two months. Uh, reports are saying that, uh, after reading the story, her first 15 to 16 hours, uh, in prison and almost every single night she would cry. Um, but I, you know, are you buying or selling like her feeling remorse over the whole college scandal thing? Because if you remember her, uh, daughters weren't, you know, too keen on going to college. She really was trying to really trying to pull Jesse in to get the twins into college, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. To, to throw it back there for you. But uh, regarding the actual story of this, um, I'm selling it. And I had a lot of debate about this. So some of you may know that, listen, but I actually worked in essentially what was the equivalent of like college admissions at a, at a university's visitor center when this whole thing came out. And I just, I, I can't stand it. And I can't stand it because, you know, when you think of it in an athletic sense too, there are, there are people who work their entire lives for the first like 18 years of their lives to get up to do something and play a sport. And it doesn't matter what it is, right? Everybody knows football and basketball because they're in the forefront. Everybody loves football and basketball. They have their own recruiting day for these things. There are people that work their butt off to do softball, rowing, 
soccer, everything, every sport is, is equivalent in that regard. And for somebody to, to essentially pull rank on that to a daughter, who's never done this and just trying to get her into college and, and basically paying people off, I'm selling it. You know what you're doing. It's, it's not a, it's, it's a situation of, of the hierarchy. You think you're better than people and that's what you're going to do. I don't like it. I hate it. And her daughter had some reaction video to it a couple of years ago too. And, you know, maybe she wasn't as in on it as, as Aunt Becky was, but I, I just, I don't feel that she has any remorse over it personally. I just, you know what you did. Yeah. Massive. So uh, you can't, uh, I mean, rowing, that's how we're going to get people into school. You know what I mean? And Felicity Huffman, the other like uh, major key player when like it all came out, she um, only served 14 days where Aunt Becky served too. But part of that, Part of that is actually because she um, was taken to, tr to trial. She was like, there's, there's no proof that I did this. And like, if she would have just taken the deal when all this first started and they were offering her a plea deal, hey, serve like maybe a couple days, maybe less than a month in jail, we'll, we'll be fine. And she ended up getting two. Now, look, if it was someone else in that situation who wasn't a celebrity, I'm sure they would get longer than two months. But I mean, you know, she ended up, getting two months because she wanted to take this to a plea, like, you know, to a trial. And that's what happened. And, you know, of course she lost. And I, uh, I, I tell you what, uh, I haven't watched full house since maybe that's because I've grown up, but, uh, I'm not going to have Aunt Becky tell me, uh, you know, don't, uh, lie or, you know, look at Mary Kate and, uh, Ashley down there and be like, Mary Kate, you know, you did a bad thing, you know? So, yeah. I'm sorry. Didn't, didn't she, she came in a little bit later to the show, right? She wasn't a recurring character in the first couple of seasons. Yeah. Yeah. I actually don't remember. Um, I haven't watched it in like 10 or 12 years. Um, I know that when they did the reboot on Netflix that everyone was keened on, I know that she was in a couple episodes on that. Okay. Because I, I was going to say, if she wasn't in the first few seasons, you can get on that, but we need a full house expert. So somebody, yeah. somebody let us know if, if you're a full house, you know, fanatic. All right, next next sports story here. We're going to stick with the quarterback theme, like I said. The Chicago Bears, one of the, and this is putting it nicely, most horrendously quarterbacked teams of the entire NFL, one of the original franchises. They have scored 30 or more points in four straight games. This is the first time they've done that, Ryan, since 19... 65 that is pre everything obviously now bears but that's pre-water Payton probably their best offensive player ever uh getting into around the Gale Sayers era of the 60s that's how far we're going back and a lot of this success is being attributed to the rebirth if you will of Mitchell Trubisky so are you buying or selling Mitchell Trubisky getting a second contract with the Chicago Bears in 2020 and beyond? Uh, does a franchise tag count as a buy? I'll take it. Because I think they'll give him a franchise tag or at least a one-year deal because he has played well the last couple of weeks. Now, part of that, look, yesterday they played Jacksonville. They played Jacksonville, okay? They're the worst team in the league, and obviously they clinched the number one pick yesterday. Uh, because the Jets can't even get losing right. Um, it's, it, uh, but, you know, he, he is so fascinating because when you watch them, you're like, what is Matt Nagy doing? 
having Mitch throw the ball that many times to David Montgomery. Like you could easily do play action or just hand, hand runoffs. Like, and, and it's like, it's frustrating because they have Allen Robinson on the outside. Who's a good wide receiver. He's not great, but I mean, I, they're playing really well and they're red hot. They have a huge game, right? They play green Bay coming up on Sunday and that says it all right. Because they might m- miss the playoffs and, you know, we won't touch on that this episode cause that's for Friday, but they, they have a huge hurdle. If he can beat green Bay this coming weekend, I definitely see them maybe even giving him a two-year deal, something very small two-year deal because Look, Green Bay looked amazing last night. I don't know who's stopping them in the NFC, but it's kind of incredible, right? They put, they put Nick Foles in that Atlanta game. They take out Mitch. Atlanta did what Atlanta does, blow huge lead. Nick Foles gets injured. You're like, oh, great, Mitch is coming back in. But he's, like you said, he's played red hot. They scored 41 yesterday against Jacksonville. I think I'll buy I'm going to buy it too. And, and I think some of it, I think some of it relates to the fact that we often throw so much on the quarterback and, and as fans and as observers of the game, sometimes people don't always put as much on the play callers. And, and what I mean by that is it kind of exactly what you said, when the creativity is not there in the offense, it's really going to hinder it. And, and being a Steeler fan, I've seen a lot of that, but looking at the bears specifically, you can't ask Mitchell Trubisky to throw 50 or 55 passes a game. It's just not what he's going to do. When you cater an offense to a specific type of player, that's when they're going to succeed because that's what they've been able to do. And another example is, is in Baltimore. When you don't rely on Lamar Jackson to make every single throw, but he is so good at running and so good at play action, it's going to open things up. Imagine that. It's a concept that has worked and will continue to work when the right coaches are there. I think Mitchell Trubisky is a fine quarterback. I don't put him in, in any sort of elite echelon of, of this NFL quarterback class or era, but he's serviceable and he's proving that. But when you give him the ability to succeed with the play calling and such, he's proving that he can win. Again, they played Jacksonville. We know Jacksonville's not good this year. We understand that. But being able to put these numbers of games together, they're really going to prove themselves either worthy or not worthy on Sunday. But I think Mitchell Trubisky, based on his skill set, is probably going to be their starting quarterback next year. They just have to get him the right play caller to make it make sense. Yeah, I think if they miss the playoffs, uh, maybe even if they make it, I don't know. But I feel like if they miss the playoffs uh, this coming uh, coming season here, the end of uh, week 17 next Sunday, Matt Nagy is going to find himself on that uh, that fire sale that is Monday after the regular season being uh, back at a coordinator where he he looks like a coordinator guy. He doesn't look like a head coach guy to begin with. But, um, Ryan, second story, kind of a fascinating one here. This is really, I guess, more of a topic. Uh, but we buying or selling Aerosmith just found out the other day that they make more money annually on Guitar Hero that came out on the 360, if you remember a while back, many, many years ago, versus their music that is still being played on YouTube or, you know, any any platform. And they still make every single day more money off Guitar Hero than they do uh, their actual music. We buying or selling that, is it really the game or is it just, what, what is it? 
I'm, I'm kind of in between on this one too. And the reason is, is, is I feel like I want to say buy, right? Because I want to buy it because I know what Spotify pays their artists. I mean, you have some of the most successful artists in the world uh, and they're like, Oh, you released a new album. Here's a penny. So, I mean, it, it, you know, we've, we've seen that. And basically, you know, people are saying continually artists come out and say, you know, Spotify is not making us money or Apple music is not making us the same amount of money, but people also don't buy albums anymore. That's another problem. Actually, yesterday I was, I was on a, a, a brief social distance mask shopping trip in a, in a store and you know the store fye for your entertainment that you know they they used to have rows of cds yeah, rows of cds nine they were they were top of the music in- industry there absolutely the the one in our local mall was i mean that was a fascinating thing to walk into because it felt amazing now they have like one row of cds and a bunch of and i'm not knocking them this is just the observation they have a million funkos they have a million different other things, but the series sure, are like, yeah, it's weird. Yeah. It's, it's so different. So I'm, I'm going to buy it and I'm going to buy it because I know that the music industry has changed in this way. I'm, I'm going to give my little plea here to people just, <laughs> just real quick, buy stuff from artists. If you really enjoy an artist, if you really like an artist, no matter how big or small they are, support them via their website buy their music there, buy an album, buy a vinyl, buy a digital copy on their website. I, it doesn't matter. Sure. You can listen to it on Apple music. If you genuinely love an artist, buy their music, buy their merch. So I'm going to buy that. They're making more money on their game because it's probably a little bit better in, in the deal. I would assume. Yeah. I don't know what we'll do when we get to next summer. Cause obviously we're not going to talk baseball day in and day out. Cause we might as well put our head at, like on a wooden table or through a brick wall. Uh, but when we get to next summer and you're, uh, if concerts are back to normal and you're going to uh, rock shows, uh, I might, I might have to, uh, do a couple episodes solo knowing how much you like going to concerts, but, uh, I think I'm going to buy it as well, but I find it interesting because I, the game was on 360. It's not on Xbox one. It's not, you know what I mean? So that says to me, people still keep their 360s of all things and look at it as like a retro console now, kind of like the Nintendo 64. And they're like, Hey, you know what? I'll buy Aerosmith guitar hero, or I'll buy uh, rock band. You know, there was a big, uh, when rock band first came out, I don't know if you remember this, but there was actually a huge thing where artists were suing rock band, uh, the makers over at Activision, because they weren't getting royalties off those songs that you were playing in rock band. So it says to me that Aerosmith, even all these years later, came up with some sort of deal that we didn't know about until this story came out where they get royalties off that for their songs being played on a game that's based purely off them, no one else, you know what I mean? So whatever they did to set that up, great move by them. But all these years later, you know, they've been around since what, the eighties or seventies and Mm -hmm this is the most money they've ever made is by a video game that came out in 2010 or 2011. Like that's pretty incredible. Uh, I'll have to buy it. Yeah. Well, it, it just shows you that they had a good negotiation going into that. If they're still making money on it, but well, old gaming systems, Yeah. I'm, I was playing my Nintendo 64 over the Christmas weekend. So I'm, I'm all in for the old gaming systems. I, I, I quite love them myself. Hey, don't worry. When you go on those uh, concerts, if they're back to normal next year, I'm not going to get a different co-host. I'm just going to ride solo for uh, maybe a week or two. Or we'll That's have fine. to do recording in advance. 
Well, then I'll come back and give my review of how amazing the concerts were. Yeah. And if I see Ramstein like I'm planning to, hopefully I'm not burned to a crisp. I don't know yeah. if you've ever seen one of their live shows, but that's that's neither here nor there. All right, last one, NBA. I know you're a you're a bigger NBA guy than I am, and I respect that. I got a notification yesterday on my phone because this is how bad it was. I have notifications on my phone turned off for the NBA. Typically, I've turned them back on for this show. The first one I get, Clippers down by 50 at halftime. That was kind of shocking because the Clippers are supposedly a good team and ended up losing the game by 51 points. So only a one-point differential in the second half, but still. Are you buying or selling that the Clippers are that bad? Huge sell. And here's why. Because I feel like that's just an anomaly. Like sometimes you'll even get like playoff games. A couple years ago, like when the Warriors were like going through the ringer of like us, we were literally watching them be essentially a 30 for 30 years in the making because they were playing excellent teams, especially when they played that OKC team down three, one, there was actually a game. It might've even been during that OKC. No, it was during the Pelican series, that same uh, postseason a couple years ago before KD joined, it was like 2015, 2016. Uh, Cause he joined 2016 off season. They beat the Pelicans by 40 in the playoffs. Like, so those things will happen. But uh, it's actually kind of interesting. Uh, everyone who was on them to win the championship, their odds have dropped drastically. Um, and people thinking that they can even get over a hurdle of the first round over a game, what, two or three on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, it was interesting to uh, turn on NBA TV on my phone in the middle of witching hour yesterday and see uh, what? 77 to 27 and a half. That was a real thing. They set an NBA record as well for uh, largest halftime uh, deficit of 50 points. I, I will say it, it's definitely a bigger loss than what I look at, though. It's going to be a problem for them going forward because I think Tyron Blue, when he won that championship in Cleveland, it's a classic case of LeBron was the best player on the court and he was a coach that was along for the ride. And sometimes that happens pretty frequently in the NBA, sometimes where the best player carries the coach and the coach continues to get deals. Doc Rivers, I feel like leaving that team is really going to hurt them come March, April, May, because Tyron Lue, even though he has Kawhi and he has Paul George, I don't think he has enough coaching experience there to get them to where they need to be. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy it, but I'm not a huge buy. And, and the reason I say that is because the Clippers aren't that bad. The Clippers are not 50 points worse than another team. But the concerning factor of it is, and, and of course, in any league, you're allowed to have a bad game. And I think probably even more so in basketball, because you've, you've played, you've played for fun. We've all played. There are some days where you just can't make anything. You just can't make a shot. And it's frustrating whether whatever level of basketball you are. But I think the, I think the issue with it is, is it's concerning that it's to a team like the Mavericks, a team that is a little bit more upstart and, and really looking to make that next step this year, going into the playoffs. Now they're still going to have to clear up a, a very defined Lakers hurdle, which I, I don't think they will, but for a team like the Mavericks to do it, I think that in some sense makes it a little bit more concerning because if you see them again in the playoffs, 
could that linger in the back of your mind thinking that, you know, we lost to this team 50 points, 51 points earlier in the season. And I don't think they're going to lose every game by 50 in the playoffs if they played, but I think it is a little bit more concerning that it's a team in your conference that you could see again. Um, certainly, certainly it's not a good optic for your team going forward and, and people will certainly remember that, but I'm, I'm going to buy it, but I'm not, I, I don't think the Clippers are as bad as, as they prove that they are, but they will struggle if, if it's against teams in their conference and they can't turn it around. Yeah, and quick update, as I've seen all three Nick games this season uh, while we're on the subject of NBA, because I always got to fit in my Knicks talk, you know, that going forward into basketball season. Uh, don't worry, we lost to the Sixers on Saturday. We went in 0-2 on Sunday, and guess what? We got our first win against Milwaukee, hung 128 on them. Alfred Payton played well. He was shooting threes. He was dishing out assists. Julius Randle, who is still, I can't believe I'm saying this, the best player on our team. Mike Breen actually said during the broadcast last night, and I, if I get the quote wrong, I apologize, but uh, it, it sort of went like this, paraphrasing. Julius, Julius Randle, it was like third quarter or whatever, uh, he was driving to the basket, and Mike Breen goes, wow, that was a nice drive by Julius Randle. And to me is like listening to that uh, as like the announcer, Mike Green, who does like national ESPN games, but he's like the main Knicks home broadcast guy. It was like, he's thinking the same thing that I am. Julius Randle should not, should not be driving to the basket or even being the best player on our team. Um, yeah, that's my Knicks talk. Don't worry. We're going to have more rants. I'm sure you enjoyed my first uh, Knicks video that you posted to our TikTok. I'm ready. I want more. Yeah. <laughs> Um, do you want more frustration or more jubilance uh, going into the, the basketball season? Both, because as a so just comparing sport lines for a second, being a Pirates fan is also very frustrating at times. Yeah. But when you win and you win like that, it's very exciting. And it, it, it gives you that feeling of just just pure glee. So I can only imagine how you felt as a Knicks fan saying, we just beat Giannis. I wait all year for Knicks basketball. And like, I am an Eagles fan, but I wait all year for Knicks basketball. And I live every single game. Like it is the final game that the Knicks are going to play that uh, if we, next time we get in the playoffs, if we get to the point where we can do live broadcasts, Ryan, I might, I might pay for your ticket to go because that's how bad I would want to go to a playoff game. Uh, Cause it's not going to happen for a decade. Anyway, moving on. Final buy or sell story. Uh, we're off the rails here on a uh, Tuesday episode. Uh, the office is coming to Peacock. Ryan, I've talked about Peacock before. Uh, it is the, th actually, it was a service that people didn't think would be a major player going forward into the streaming wars when all this stuff started. Everyone thought it was going to be Netflix, Disney, HBO. HBO is actually uh fifth right now behind Apple TV plus, if you can believe it. I don't even know how many people have that, but HB only has 5 million subscribers where Apple TV plus has seven Peacock. I don't know if you know this, but Peacock has 46 million subscribers behind Disney plus is 89. The office comes to Peacock Netflix's most streamed show. They've said in multiple articles over the last week that 32% of people's time spent on Netflix of any user was watching the office. It's coming to Peacock. The first two seasons are going to be free on Friday. 
So you're going to get to watch every single episode of season one and two, any day of the week of the year for free. But if you want to watch seasons three through nine or whatever it is, you have to pay the four bucks or nine bucks, whatever you want to pay nine bucks without ads. Are you buying or selling streaming shows like The Office on a new platform just to get subscribers? I mean, that's what Friends did for HBO, right? That's what uh, Seinfeld's going to do for Netflix. You know, people are going to cancel Hulu, who signed up for Seinfeld, switch over to Netflix. Are you buying streaming shows like that over and over, um, you know, to get your dollars? So as one of those people that very much contributed to the 32% of watching the office on netflix specifically uh for those familiar you i know you know ryan on netflix it has your recently watched or yeah. you know continue watching or whatever mine is always just the office because that, that's about all i watch on netflix if i'm being honest but real quick before you continue why is the theme music so much louder than the episodes i've never figured that out i don't understand but what's weird is is i i will I typically like to fall asleep with it because, you know, you fall asleep with comfort shows and it's one of those ones. Everybody has their own and, and to each their own, but I've gotten to the point now where I can sleep through it. So that's, that's positive at least that I don't notice it's louder, but it really is, you know, it's that first kind of like right as you kind of fall asleep and a new episode comes on and it wakes you up, but I've, I've gotten to the point where I can at least sleep through it if, if need be, but it doesn't make sense. It's a whole it's a whole couple decibels louder, but that's, I guess it's their way of getting your attention. That's, that's what we'll call it. Um, here's a, here's a fun reason why I'm going to sell this story. The office is so much my comfort show. I got the box set for my birthday. So I have the office box set season one through nine. And I'm just going to watch it on DVD. Now, if, if you would believe this, in my room, I have a, um, I have a, a DVD player that obviously play DVD on. But I also, it's one of the DVD VCR setups. So I'm, I'm a little bit stuck in, you know, the year 2000. So it probably also explains why I'm not a big, a big movie person. Because I'm still watching, you know, I'm still watching movies on, on VHS. So... I'm going to sell it for my own personal reasons of having the box set, but for other people, it's a big buy because people are going to pay the whatever it is to, to watch it because it's just right there in front of them and they can do it. But I wanted a DVD box set for the extras and the bloopers and, and such because I'm, I'm a nerd. What can I say? I tell you what, every time we do buy and sell, I love it because not only do I learn stuff entertainment wise that you've never seen or done off air, I just learned in 2020, one of my good friends, you know, and co-host has a VHS DVD combo. I want that to be like our first memorable like clip that we put like at the end of the year review because that is incredible, incredible. When we start doing merch, we'll do one that's a DVD VCR combo. Uh, I love we'll it. Say Ryan and Ryan on, yeah. the, on the two sides of it. Yeah. Uh, incredible. Wow. That is, that's definitely the news. Uh, the biggest news I think we've dropped on this show. Um, now I think I'm going to buy it and here's why I'm already a subscriber. I'm already a subscriber to Peacock. I like, I like Parks and Rec. I like the show, uh, 30 Rock that I watched when it was on Netflix. Uh, they have a lot of good shows on there. Um, they have Cheers. Cheers is a classic one that I always love watching. Um, 
and you know, Parks and Rec is free. So, I mean, you know, I get to watch Parks and Rec for free, but I still ended up paying for the service. And they have like a whole NBC sports channel, you know, where you get like, uh, going into next year, they're going to have the Olympics on there and they're going to have an NFL playoff game in a week and a half on Peacock where you're only going to get to see it on Peacock. You're not going to have to pay, but it'll be free. Um, I, but one thing they're, they're doing that's kind of interesting is they're tossing around the word reboot because it's coming back to NBC and it's going to be owned by NBC. They've been tossing it around like crazy, but um, they're keeping it hush hush word on the, the, uh, street right now is that it's about a 60 40 possible chance of a reboot because it wouldn't be the original cast it would be something different whatever that means it could it could be like saved by the bell uh where you know they did a reboot and brought back like the old cast like for like one episode but every new you know cast member you know what i mean just like a really a reinvention if you will they're going to have bonus clips. They're going to have the bloopers. They're going to have like a channel called the office on uh, the app where you just get to watch like extras or interviews or whatever. Um, but you know, people are going to sign up for this because it's just like when friends went to HBO, how many people signed up for HBO just for the simple fact that friends was there. Like I'm not a big friends guy, but like that's one reason I'm sure probably a lot of people signed up, you know what I mean? Like same with Disney plus for the Simpsons. Like some people probably don't even like toy story, those kind of things. People just want to sign up and rewatch those shows. And I, by the way, hot take for you. I do not like Michael Scott. I'm uh, Ooh. yeah. Yeah. Not really a Michael Scott guy. Uh, I think the only time like I enjoy him is like in that season five period where like, he's like, you know, doing really well and then the michael scott paper company but other than that i find him not not very exciting at all i i think my favorite character on the show hot take for you is uh andy andy i don't know if i've ever heard that andy andy or um uh, karen i like karen you didn't get much karen unfortunately but no, no like a like a seat yeah <laughs> but you know she also she hates Jim and found pam. her way to who do you hate i'm sorry i hate the jim and pam stuff hate it oh so the entire show, um, <laughs> <laughs> literally seasons one through nine. Um, Karen just found her way up to uh, Parks and Rec. I mean, it, you know, it's yeah. all it's all good. She just found her way onto a new show. Um, yeah, no, I, I I agree with you though because people are going to do this and people are going to go and and just do this for the shows. And what we've talked about, what the last thing I'll say about this is, is we talk about like the Star Wars fandom. Right. That, that people fall into and I think some of these shows have that now maybe it's not to the same degree uh and that you know they'll follow everything but there are people that will you know they wear the Dunder Mifflin merch they are all about the, the you know the Dunder Mifflin I have a pair of like Dunder Mifflin socks I just got but people people fall into that and especially with the Simpsons and you know other shows that you mentioned that that's what people do they they fall into that and they really get involved so i I'm, I'm not shocked that this is going to be a big thing. Are you a uh, Jim and Pam guy before we move on from by ourselves? You know, I like it because it's part of the, you know, it's part of the story and it kind of tells it. One thing I think would be interesting to do is, is somebody who has watched every episode a lot. You talk about not liking Michael Scott. Michael Scott has a lot of episodes where you kind of cringe at things yeah. that he does and everybody singles out Scott's tots. 
I would argue that there are some that are worse than that. There yeah. are some, there are some episodes that he is bad. Yeah. But, you know, I, I like Jim and Pam though, to, to return to that just because it's part of the story. But uh, my favorite character is Creed because I feel that I relate to him the best. You just never know what you're going to get. Yeah. Great guest manager. Um, <laughs> so that was by ourselves, our, uh, everyone's favorite uh, Tuesday uh, segment. It's going to be a little longer now, right? Because we're, we're uh, winding down the football season and it'll, it'll typically be like that going forward until we get to, oh gosh, football's almost over. I, I can't believe once we get to February, you know, we're going to have to wait again to talk about it, but talk about the draft. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to do a little slight twist on our NFL recap uh, going forward as, uh, as well. Um, we're going to do two of the games from Friday and Saturday. Uh, we're going to do the Tampa game and the Minnesota New Orleans game. And then on the back half, we'll do the rest of the NFL recap. Ryan, before we get to that though, our Friday episode is going to come out after two graduates of WVU play army. What's your thoughts? Army stepped in last minute. Yeah, I was all in for this. As soon as I saw that Tennessee was out uh, because I felt bad for army army only had one loss this season and their bowl was canceled because uh, and a lot of people ask, you know, why why did they cancel Army's Bowl before they even announced the other ones? The explanation that folks is is that they set other bowl games from Independence beforehand because they're not not necessarily conference affiliated or smaller Group of Five conferences, so they set those bowl games in advance and wait for the champions. So that's why Army's Bowl was already canceled before everything came out. Um, I love it. I was advocating to play Army. As soon as Tennessee canceled, I said, put Army in, and they did. One thing that's very interesting about this, and I remember this from a couple years ago, I believe we were in school when we played Georgia Southern uh, in the first game of the season because Georgia Southern was was an option team too, a triple option team. One thing that folks have to understand is, is this is a very hard offense to prepare for. When you look at the Big 12, you think of a more spread style offense. So WVU can, you know, obviously teams are catering their game plans, but it's it's almost a completely different, scrap everything you know, whenever you play the triple option, because it's about assignments, it's about gaps, it's about staying with your guys. So you have to follow those assignments. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a very difficult game in that regard. Um, but I'm sure you saw the news yesterday, too, that we also have a first-team AP All-American on the defensive line in Darius Stills. So that's that's great, too. But I think West Virginia will win this game. I think that it will be – I think it will be close because the triple option gives teams problems, especially teams that don't see it regularly. Um, I think, though, our offense can give them problems, too, on the defensive end in that same regard. And the, the only hesitation I have is WVU is not historically a bowl team. They, they don't play as well in bowl games and, and hopefully that trend doesn't continue. Uh, it'll be a hard fought game, but I'm, I'm going to give a very slight edge to, to my alma mater. Yeah. They seem to find themselves in that weird Memphis bowl every year playing in Memphis and the auto zone Liberty, whatever, whatever it is now. Um, yeah, no good for me stepping in. Glad they got it. Um, they're, hey, you know, for the year that it was in college football, and we still got the playoff to talk about, but, and the national championship, but they were a top 25 team, whatever you want to put, you know, stock into preseason rankings. And, hey, they're, uh, they could be a team down the line, like a big time program or even a medium size that looks at Jeff Munkin 
um, if, if he wants another job because he, he, uh, he's well deserving of it. And, um, I, I'm glad, uh, he's getting them back to, uh, you know, winning ways, uh, over in West Point. Um, so we don't really even really need to talk about, you know, the Minnesota New Orleans game that much other than Alvin Kamara, six touchdowns. Uh, it was pretty incredible to watch me and Ryan were talking back and forth when he got taken out after scoring the fifth. And we were like, they got to put him back in and they put him back in clearly to get that six touchdown or at least go for the attempt. And he got it. It was pretty incredible to watch. Um, and you got the awesome 50 burger uh, in an NFL game, which I love because you don't get them very often. Um, I, New Orleans is tricky, right? Drew Brees didn't look great though. Uh, without that six touchdown game, would they've even sniffed, you know what I mean? Uh, coming close to Minnesota because Drew Brees, two picks, no touchdowns, 19, 19 for 26. I don't know what to make of them. I think Drew Brees is, is kind of moving into that that kind of game manager mentality in some regards because you talk about players that can't throw the ball downfield at the same velocity anymore, uh, Drew Brees. Drew Brees is, is that guy who really struggles to do that. And he, certainly I don't think he's going to lose them games in that regard. Uh, and obviously, too, you see what Alvin Kamara did. Uh, anytime your name or you set a record that is held by Ernie Nevers from 1929, that's that's something to write home about because that's that's something you'll never see again. I think the Saints are 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 kind of moving into their own. I don't think they're the best team in the NFC. I do think that that's the Packers, but I, I do think that the Saints will put up a fight. I think they have a good enough defense to do it. Uh, I obviously you see that their running game is very good with Alvin Kamara and and with the receivers that Drew Brees has that can make plays when needed. Um, my question though is is did you know this is a this is the stat that I found the most just insane about this game. Um, that's only I believe it's the third or fourth time that Alvin Kamara has run for more than a hundred yards in his career. Wow. It, it seemed crazy. Yeah. It seemed crazy. And, and of course, I trust the stat people of the NFL. I'm not right. saying that they're that they're dumb, but I wanted to look it up because I just, I was like, that can't be real, right? That cannot be real. Sure enough, they look it up and he's ran for, I think it's four times now he's ran for a hundred yards, but some of that coupled too, and, and as a football fan, I know you know this too, he catches the ball a lot. So when, when you're when you're kind of a, a dual threat in that regard, you're going to catch a lot of passes and, and get yards that way. But tying a record with Ernie Nevers, man, if, if you guys don't know who Ernie Nevers is, go back and look him up. Uh, actually in that game, if I'm not mistaken, he scored all 42 points because he kicked every extra, extra point as well. So. <laughs> Ernie Nevers, um, Tampa Bay, Detroit, another game we don't really need to talk about too much it was 35 nothing at the half want to talk about crazy stat lines and something you could not believe here's two of them tampa bay had 588 yards of offense that it 30 first downs uh just i feel bad for matt stafford it's like he's lost in like some like time like continuum like warp and he can't get out of detroit because he's their franchise guy, but like at times it feels like 
he doesn't, you know, and Matt Patricia was fired. So it's all intern coaches anyway, but give him someone to at least so he can have a chance to get you to the playoffs. Cause he's still good enough to carry the team. I just feel bad. I, he has no coaching. So there was another stat about Matt Stafford and, and I don't have it on hand and I apologize, but there's a, a stat that in all his games, he's only been accompanied by a hundred yard rusher five or six times, something of that regard. And that's a problem. That's a problem if you can't run the ball and, and they're basically just banking on Matt Stafford's arm, which he's a good quarterback, but he is just not been able to get him over the, over the hump. And, and even with a guy like Calvin Johnson, um, I told you this pre-show, but I'll tell the people now. I, I mean, I, t- I stopped watching this game. It was 20, 21, nothing. And I said, I'm done. I just, I don't, I'll go play my N64 and play with my VCR. Like there's, you know, there's, there's nothing really to salvage from this game. Tom Brady's cooking, uh, you know, Mike Evans was good and, and everyone else alike. Gronk had a great touchdown. I mean, Tampa Bay looked good, but if you play the Lions, sometimes that happens. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel bad for the guy. It's like, he's like in some time paradox where he just seems to find himself at the bottom of the barrel with Detroit. And he had, there's two incredible years where he got him to the playoffs or maybe even three. And two of those years were with Jim Caldwell, you know what I mean? And they let him go. Like that was a good co- head coach. You give him another year or two, you could build something special, but it's unfortunate. It is what it is. Ryan, we're going to do the rest of the NFL recap on the back half, but we have the legendary John O'Hurley today. John O'Hurley, Jay Peterman, family feud host, National dog show host, everything. I, I I love John and his interview reassures that he's a fantastic guest. It's a it's a fun one. And for all of you Seinfeld fans, Jay Peterman fans, there's a surprise on the back end of this interview. So make sure you listen to it all the way through. And now our interview with John O'Hurley. All right. We now welcome on the former host of Family Feud, the host of the National Dog Show also known as Jay Peterman on sitcom Seinfeld, the legendary comedian, actor, singer, and television personality, Mr. John O'Hurley. John, thank you for joining the Two Ryan Sports Show. You bet. And actually, it, it, how similar our backgrounds are. Look at this. Absolutely. It's almost like looking at a, a catalog. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny you say that because my, my first question for you actually revolves a little bit around a catalog that you're probably familiar with. Mm-hmm. So I want you to put yourself in the mindset of Jay Peterman again. So we're back in, we're back on the Seinfeld set, but we're in the year 2020. So in the Jay Peterman catalog, what would you be selling in 2020? What, what, how would that look different? Would you have some designer masks that you'd be putting out for the public? Oh, designer masks. Yes. When I was off visiting those little naked natives of Bantu Besh, diminutive in their size, but not in the scope of their wisdom, for they were able to design a small but articulate little thing that I would place over my nose made from mosquito nests. Oh, yes, articulate indeed. John, um, I I guess uh, my my second question for you is, look, we're, it seems like we're in the day of age of where uh, legendary, you know, uh, comedies are doing uh, reunions. Will and Grace had a short run recently on NBC again. Uh, Parks and Recreation did um, a, a one-off reunion, 30 Rock, um, and, and some others. 
do you think Seinfeld will ever fall into that category? Because even Friends is doing a uh, reunion for HBO Max coming uh, next year. I mean, I would love to hear some more Peterman great monologues. Well, if you go, if you want to hear great Peterman monologues, go to cameo.com. I write them every day and I do about 20 of them. Um, I've probably done several thousand over the last uh, six months. Uh, that's where the home of the Peterman monologue lives. I'm probably one of their, their top uh, contributors right now. But for Seinfeld, I, no, here we won't see another Seinfeld reunion. And I'll tell you why. And, and this is my bend on it, is that the show was about selfish 30-year-old people in New York City. I don't think the world gives a rat's ass about selfish 60-year-old people <laughs> in New York City. I just don't. And, and so, I mean, it was all about the naivete of dating for the first time without the use of a cell phone and uh, actually talking at, at, you know, in, at a restaurant in, in a booth and that being the center of communication or in the middle of an apartment. All of those things are gone right now. Um, the whole mechanism of the show is different. Uh, and, I, and I think, uh, even though I think the humor is timeless and I think the things that they picked up upon were timeless. I don't think um, I, I don't think it'll ever resurrect again. Jerry was smart enough to end the show when he said we've done enough. We've done enough. And I can't believe that he would uh, um, walk over his own tracks and, uh, and and say that no, it's time to do it again. First of all, everybody's old. First of all, everybody's old and fat right now. So the, it's not even a good picture on TV. Well, you, hey, you're looking pretty radiant, so uh, you don't give yourself uh, enough credit there. Um, as Larry, well, that's uh, why I'm showing. That's why I'm showing you in my bedroom. I look best there. <laughs> as uh, has Larry ever contacted you to do uh, Curb? I know he's uh, reached out, like to you know his friends uh, from you know that. Yeah, we did. You know, we did a while back. Oh God, it was back in. 2010 or nine or something. It's when he was doing, when they had their little reunion show, he called me and uh, unfortunately it was, it was opening night. I was, uh, I did the show, uh, Broadway show Spamalot as King Arthur. Um, and I was opening in San Francisco. So there's no way I could have gotten down to do the, the uh, whatever little Seinfeld, you know, reunion they were planning. But I think that was their best attempt at it. And I think that, uh, you know, it, it lies flat after that. Yeah, well, looking at a few other things um, in, in your illustrious career of acting and, and such, I want to look back at, at Family Feud for a little bit, because that's one that's a game show that I've always kind of grown up on personally. Um, I think the thing that most people live for the most is the dumb answers. Everybody loves no. a, good, <laughs> a good dumb answer, right? So what would you I've say had some is, good ones. I was going to say, what, what are some of the um, maybe off the wall or, or, you know, just again, flat dumb answers that you've experienced? I'll give you two that were wonderful examples of the far reach of what stupidity can actually uh, <clears throat> become. Um, first of all, they always give the last seat on the board to the grandmother. Number five down the line is always grandma. I don't know why. Why would you put grandma down? It doesn't matter what order you put the people in. 
but always they put grandma down on the end. Well, the question was this, and it was one of the first shows that I did back in 2006 or seven or, um, <clears throat> the question was, what would you do to yourself to make yourself appear more attractive on a first date? Well, you could say, what would you say? You tell me what you'd do. I would say... Don't be a deer in the headlight. Just don't be a deer in the <laughs> okay. headlight. Tell me something. I, I would say, uh, get, get, get a fresh Simple. haircut. Okay. What would, and, okay. And? I mean... What's the other answer? I know I'm not a female, but I would say maybe use makeup. Makeup. Okay, fine. Those were all on the board. They were all wonderful. We went on down. I finally came to Grandma down at the other end of the line. And grandma was about 88, if I remember. I grabbed her hand, I gently kissed it as I always did, as my recognition and my staple of, of what I did. And I said, okay, here's the question. What would you do on a first date to make yourself seem more attractive? And she looked at me straight in the eye and she said, stuff my pants with a vegetable? I can't make that up. I can't make that up. You know what I mean? So, all right. So that was your first question. Here's my second answer to it. Um, I had uh, a, a, a two guys who came up to the face-off there, you know, with the buzzards. And I asked them the question, of course, to begin the game. And, I, and the question was this. Name a classic film that begins with the letter C. Well, they looked around. And what would you say? Uh, I would say Citizen Kane. Okay, and? Casablanca. Casablanca, they were there. Caddyshack, there were all, there were so many of them up there, all there on the board. They hit the buzzers. Ah! Seabiscuit. <laughs> in, in the defense, though, the English language is not forgiving. You can't make that stuff up. It's just these are two guys that look like they both graduated from college and one said, Seabiscuit. <laughs> no, I had, I had many. I mean, the, the, you know, and, and in fairness, it's, it, it's basically the, that, the, 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 the anxiety that you feel when you're on television in front of a camera for the first time where your mind just disappears and you don't have the capacity to think logically as you normally would, but that's the fun of the show. I'll tell you, Seabiscuit was my favorite. I mean, there's no pressure on us as we sit here and, and come up with film names. I can understand that being in front of a couple, maybe million person audience, it, it feels a little bit different. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah, just too much pressure. And also you're trying to win money too, you know. It's, uh, it puts everybody in a, um, just an awkward position. And, but that's the fun of the game, the fun of the game. All the things that you can't think of, not what you can. Seabiscuit. John, you've had such a legendary career and you know, I'm still sure that you have great projects on the horizon. But I, do. I, I wonder what is harder, Dancing with the Stars or hosting the dog show? Oh, Dancing with the Stars. There's, I mean, the dog show, <laughs> I just get out of the way and let the dogs be the dogs. I, I don't have to do anything. I just have to learn a little bit about them. And I, you know, make a fool of myself trying to do that. But Dancing with the Stars may be the most significantly difficult thing I've ever done in my career. 
absolutely because I was, let, let me put it this way. If I said, I'm going to drop a violin in your lap on Wednesday afternoon, and by the following Tuesday night, could you have a concerto that the entire country could listen to? It's a big fan. That's now. what it was. That's what Dancing with the Stars is like. It is the most difficult thing, the most athletic thing that you will ever do. And of course, it's, you know, it's modified, it's evolved over the years. But that first year that we did it, it was like something I have never gone through in my entire life. I describe it as nine parts Marine boot camp and one part cocktail party. But <laughs> enough to make it to the final, if I remember correctly. Well, no, I actually won the. Oh, okay. I actually won it because they had to do the dance off afterwards because the voting was. Well, gee, we're talking about voting again and not being fair. Well, that's what happened. Yeah, and they admitted it and they had to redo it. So I don't know. Yeah, maybe we'll I, redo it in this country. I apologize. I I did. I am not an adamant watcher. So congratulations on your on your boot camp graduation that resulted in a trophy. <laughs> <laughs> well. I, uh, I have to uh, ask, um, you know, what was, do you remember? Hey, let me just, let me just say, if I turn my camera, you guys are, I'm in a vertical format. Do you like it better if I turn? Is that better? <laughs> That's perfectly <laughs> fine. Yeah, that works. Okay. Is that better? I think it is. Yeah, it looks better because you guys are that way. I have to ask. Oh, you're I, on that side. Uh, ask my uh, final question. Um do you remember any of the uh, steps or dances, so to speak, from Dancing with I, the Stars? Oh, I do. I do. Uh, very well. In fact, uh, I have never forgotten the waltz, the quick step. I've never forgotten the, um, um, the um, well, apparently I have. What am I talking about? <laughs> anyway, but, but I have. But what I don't remember are any of the dances that ended in a vowel, the tango, the salsa, all of, all of the more Spanish-oriented dances that ended in a vowel. I'm fine as long as they are smooth, elegant dances. But uh, I, the, 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 oh my God, I was so, and I had to really focus on those. That was like something I have never done in my life because I have these tight little Connecticut country club hips that don't move the same way that our, our lovely brethren that are of more Hispanic origins that grew up this way. I just don't have it. I, and, and it's, but you know, I, I, listen, I spent a week every week doing that. And uh, it was the toughest thing I ever did. And, and uh, uh, I came out okay on it, but I tell you uh, to go back on it. I have, I, I did a pasta doble once and I have never done it again. <laughs> I would imagine though, that all this memory of these dances makes you for multiple reasons, the life of the party at any wedding or social gathering that you're at. Oh, it, it gets worse. Oh my goodness. I, I, um, I, 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 because I'm involved in many, many charities, uh, shortly after Dancing with the Stars, I would auction off at the end of the uh, live auction that I would do, um, I would auction off a dance with me and I would get upwards of fifteen to $30,000 for a dance. 
believe it or not, whatever it was, because it was so close to, you know, the, you know, the show was still brand new at the time and had a lot of buzz. And, and so they would record the dance and that's what you would get. And, but I, I did many, many, I probably did uh, probably over a hundred thousand dollars worth of, of dancing, lap dancing, if you will. <laughs> I was a hundred thousand dollar lap dancer. I didn't see that on your resume whenever we were looking through. But... I didn't. Yeah, you know, it really should be. <laughs> <laughs> John, my uh, last question for you on my end is... Um, when are we going to talk about sports? You guys are sports Oh, I have fans, one. I have one. Have okay, yeah, well, fine. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> um, my last question is, um, I wonder these days how COVID is affecting... Uh, productions because we've obviously some new content a little uh, bit recently but you, obviously they're not wearing the masks in the scene right so I wonder do you have any connections in, in knowing how things are playing out on a set these days where you know people are wearing masks obviously behind the scenes but obviously they can't do that on on the uh, camera you know I, I've uh, I've already done a movie um, with um, uh, under the restrictions and actually did it last uh, Last spring, so I believe it late last spring. So it was one of the first uh, ever done. Um, yeah, uh, you're treated. Uh, I think you're treated a little bit like a um, leprosy patient, uh, where nothing you can't touch anything or anything you touch, everybody has to back off, and you know they hose it down, and and you're kind of kept in a corner. And uh, yeah, it's really weird. I mean, there's no camaraderie on the set. It's like. Uh, you know, it's like performing in an ICU ward. Uh, everything is very hygienic. And that seems to be more important than, you know, the camaraderie on the set. And uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a big fan of it. I think it's all nonsense. I, I, I'm sorry. I just do. I just do. Well, we but, want it to uh, be back to normal soon as well. Well we, all, well, we all do. Exactly. I mean, it's a ridiculous that we can't. You know, the, you know, our greatest gift to this country and the world is our entertainment. And the fact that we are not allowed to do it in any form or capacity right now is, I think, just, uh, I think it's unforgivable. Well, like you said, we are a sports show. So I, I would feel wrong if I didn't ask you a sports question on, on the way out here. So ask me a whole bunch because I got a lot of, of opinions. <laughs> well, I know you're a Boston Celtics fan. And it's yeah. basketball season. So how are you feeling about Boston this year? Is Jason Tatum the guy? Where, where are we going? Brown and Tatum are, I think, maybe the magic of basketball over the next 10 years. And I defy anybody to tell me that those two people don't have the combined talent. Now, what they fill it in with when you have Kemba... Um, and now they're talking about bringing uh, Isaiah back as a, as a possibility. Um, you just have, they have a working entity on that team that is moving people in and out quickly. Nobody tires on that floor, but they run as fast as they can. They jump as high as they can. It's like the old Pia Flyer commercial. Um, it's in, in, in that, I think that they have a wonderful because there's, they don't have a, they, there's nothing where they're, there's no point you know, on that floor where they are weak. Um, and I think the, uh, I, I, I love Brad Stevens. I, I love what they're doing. And I think, uh, I think this is going to be their year. 
I think too many injuries last year and the uncertainty of, of losing uh, at, um, our lovely, my, one of my favorite guys to the Charlotte Hornets there, but that's okay. We'll make up for that. Uh, there's a lot of other players on the floor. Um, I like their, I like all of their new um, acquisitions. I, I'm a, a big fan of it. I think we're going to have a great year Steve. and I can't wait. I'll be tomorrow night. I'll be watching. Do you think they're going to uh, win the whole East uh, even over Brooklyn? Yeah, I do. I really do. I, I just think that they, they're, they're, they're never winded and they're always smart. Well, we had, I, I have one last question for you with that. So we had Bomani Jones on the show a couple weeks back and there was a, a little bit of contention about maybe Jason Tatum being a max player at the time talking about, is he really worth it? The argument from this side is he's going to be worth it in a couple of years. So you have to pay him now. He's 10, he's 10 pounds heavier. <laughs> he gained 10 pounds of muscle over the last, do you know that or do not know that? I, I personally didn't, but I mean, I'm, he's, I'm gained 10 pound, he's gained 10 pounds of muscle over the last, over between the final game and um, this year. Um, I guarantee you that's going to be, that's going to pay dividends because if anything, he was dealing with the more, if, if the prepubescence of, of being a young player in the league to gather that 10 pounds gives him the, um, uh, just the physical weight to be there in the middle. And that's where he is best at. I mean, you just can't, his move to the basket is just, you know, legendary. When I think if you don't pay him now, somebody else will and, and could potentially take him away, you know, just given the way the NBA contracts have worked. So I think to lock him in now is the best move because to your point, now they might be able to run the East for the next 10, 12 years. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, sh I would say the same thing about Family Feud. They should have done that earlier to me. <laughs> Well, John, one, one last kind of final thing. What, what can we be on the lookout for from you um, in the future? I know you said you recorded a movie, but what projects can we be on the lookout for in the, uh, in I the have a nice, you know, here? I have a nice new, uh, if you're, uh, you want a really fun Christmas film, um, just punch up on Google, uh, Charlie's Christmas wish. It's a wonderful story about uh, a, a Vietnam vet and a wonderful little dog. And it's all about, uh, you know, the, the, the whole veteran issue of, of post-traumatic uh, uh, stress disorder. But it's all, I mean, it's such a charming, lovely, funny film. And I, I am the voice of God. And I, the only one I speak to is the dog. Mm -hmm. And um, actually, and, and, and true, truth be known, God actually auditioned for the role and did not get it. And I feel a little bit touched uh, <laughs> I'm blessed with that. I, I don't know. I don't know much more about it, but that's what they told me. I can't say I'm shocked, to be honest. <laughs> well, John, again, we, we really do appreciate you coming out and spending some time with us for this interview. Um, but as you go about your career and, and everything that you're doing, your monologues on Cameo that we'll uh, be sure to check out, I hope that you and your loved ones, everyone, continues to stay safe through this. Uh, hopefully we're back to normal soon and we have a little normalcy, but... Uh, hopefully we'll be able to talk to you again down the road and the Celtics will be championships. Now, would you like me to end with a little bit of a, a Peterman monologue? Absolutely. We wouldn't have it any other way. All right. All righty. 
So I will tell you a little bit of advice that I once gave to Elaine when I mistakenly thought that she was having a little office romance with a guy named Bob. So I decided that I would play Cupid and I walked into her office late one afternoon. I slapped down two tickets to the Karamazov Brothers Circus and I told her that she and Bob could knock off a little early to get ready. Well, she looked at me as though I had grown a second head and she said, Bob? And I said, Elaine, don't worry. I too am no stranger to love on the clock. As a young lad, my father apprenticed me to a honey factory in Belize. The chief beekeeper was his horrible hag of a woman with gnarled teeth and a giant wart that she called a nose. Oh, she was not attractive even by backward standards. But love is truly blind, Elaine, and as the days went on, working closer and closer together, that sweet smell of honey in the air, I knew I had to have that horrible creature. And I did. So, you and Bob, have a good time tonight. That's incredible. There you go, my friends. <laughs> well, John, again, hey. Go to, go to cameo.com. You'll get them. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to push everybody there now. Everyone has to get their Peterman monologue. But again, uh, John, thank you very much. We do appreciate you coming on, and, and I hope you stay well. God bless you both. Happy holidays. Yep. Ryan, we did talk about sports uh, like he asked about. <laughs> we, we, we put it in at the end, right, right before the, uh, the monologue. But we honestly could end the show on the monologue, and that would be, be the recap. I mean, that's just the recap of it all. No, yeah, I mean, uh, let, we're not going to make that our series finale on the Two Ryan Sports Show, but um, yeah, that was a great interview. And guys, look, we, we told you when we started this, and me and Ryan have had so much fun doing it, and we're going into 2021. We're going to, we have a big year plan that we've talked about off air and, and stuff we obviously can't get into, but um, we're, we're gonna not going to have sports guests every single episode. That's just not the type of thing we're going to do. And because and, if you do, you know, <laughs> that that becomes stale and, and we're going to have interesting guests on like we talked about when we first started this so and he was uh he was at the top of the list we gotta uh, switch it up a few times folks that's just yeah that's just how that's you have life. to do it um so sticking with nfl recap man i might put in the clip of where we said both of us that three nfc west teams were going to be in the playoffs because we assumed arizona la and seattle something's happened in Arizona. I mean, everyone picked them to be in the playoffs this year anyway. And I, I don't think either me or you as like, we're not like experts, right. But me or you don't put stock into that kind of stuff, like power rankings or like who everyone's buying week to week. Like we have our own predictions. Like we're still a Vegas Raiders podcast, even though they have no chance of making the playoffs. Cause like, we feel like there's a lot there, both of us, you know what I mean? But what's happened in Arizona. I mean, listen to this. Arizona ran 80 plays on Saturday, had time of possession 30 minutes. San Francisco only ran 55. C.J. Beathard, three touchdowns. I, I don't know what's happening to them. I feel like they're going to get left out because of the way that things are going to shake out for Chicago. And Because I feel like Arizona is going to lose, and I feel like Chicago is going to lose, and Arizona is just going to end up not being able to make it in. It's weird, right? Because we, we sat there and watched Kyler Murray in the first, maybe not quite half of the season. And there were people saying he should garner MVP votes. 
And there were just times where decisions weren't great. Uh, I think of the interception late in the game that he kind of tried to throw to the back shoulder of the receiver. Uh, and arguably the receiver should have came back and tried to play defense on it a little bit, but it, it just doesn't look the same. And I guess some of it too, you know, DeAndre Hopkins was hurt, uh, certainly came back in and, and kept playing one of the, one of the best in the league, but, but San Francisco is one of those tricky teams though, too, because even though, even though they don't really have anything to play for and they don't have a lot of their top dogs because they've been hurt, they just want to ruin people's, they want to ruin people's playoff hopes and who better to do it than your division rival. And, and they've, they beat the Rams earlier this year. I think if San Francisco was fully healthy, we'd be talking about potentially maybe four teams from that conference, maybe making, excuse me, maybe making the playoffs, but they're just not. And it's a down year, but San Francisco's defense is good. Robert Sala, you know, they, they talk about him so much on broadcast and there's a reason why, because his defenses are fantastic and, and it, it shines through every single week. And even with electric playmakers like Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, they can, they can stop them. You think Robert uh, LaSalle is a coordinator guy? Cause I do. I would love to see him take the reins of a head coaching position though. And, and the reason I say that is, is because you can, you can tell by the way his players respond to him that he garners the respect of them and, and they return it to, which is often the make of a head, good head coach. I would love to see it. I think that, I think that maybe he would, you know, it would have to be the right opportunity um, and you have to give him time to develop it certainly too, but I think he's deserving of a head coaching opportunity. So, um, you know, maybe jets pay attention because you, you're probably going to need somebody um, amongst many other teams. Yeah, we got to. We'll talk about that game because it's just incredible how they're finding ways to lose even when they win. But yeah, sticking with. Um, by the way, I don't know how much you watched the game because it was on Amazon Prime. It wasn't like the simulcast Amazon Prime NFL Network Fox, but uh, it was. It was. It was interesting going into the third. Um, Miami Vegas. I mean, woo we woo we um, Vegas. Look, you guys have a lot of stuff they're going into next year that you have to make the playoffs next year because you paid John Gruden this money. And part of that, I feel like the reason they paid John Gruden that money is look, no one expected what happened in 2020, right? You know, we don't need to talk about that as far as the year, but when they were opening this new stadium, like they were planning to now when they get fans in there, whether it's limited capacity or when things get back to normal and they can have a full stadium, Part of the reason they hired John Gruden was for those reasons, right? They paid him $100 million because they knew they were going to Vegas regardless. So they needed something else there to get all that talent coat to work. They have Darren Waller. They have Derek Carr. I mean, Derek Carr, here's an extra stat for you. 11 of his 21 completions were inside 20 yards. I mean, that's not, that's not winning numbers. You know what I mean? But there, as a team, they had 418 yards on offense. But I tell you what, man, watching that game live and seeing that call at the end on Fitzpatrick and everyone's talking about Fitzmagic, Fitzmagic. Yeah, he completed the pass, but the receiver was open on a busted coverage oh, if you watch the you. game. And his face mask got hit after he had thrown the ball. So if you watch the game, there was a busted coverage, and it's not a Fitzmagic thing. It's a busted coverage – the defensive tackle for uh, the Raiders, I forget his name, hit the face mask, boom, flag. 
Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a penalty. There, there's no debate about that. And and that's that's another thing. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because people people what I've heard more from people is is that they're questioning the Raiders call at the end of the game to take a knee. Yeah. I actually agree with that. I I think that's the right call because you are basically then putting your look I I'm not into all the next gen stuff. I mean, I'm sure they're helpful and such, but I'm I'm just not into all of the those analytics of sorts. Like, you know, they have someone down there with a notebook saying this. Because right. you want think about it in the baseball terms. We watch the World Series, right? Blake Snell's pitching a gym and they're like, oh, he gave up one hit. I guess we better take him out. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, there's no, there's different Yes. Yes. So there's different ways to think about it. But in that situation, you're essentially putting a team down on their at best 30-ish yard line with a return with 20-some seconds left, no timeouts. They're not going to get in field goal range. You, you can't imagine that they ever would. Why is no one talking about the busted coverage? It was a huge busted coverage. That's the only reason he was open to begin with. It's like the Raiders took a play out of the Jets playbook from when they beat him a couple weeks back. That's exactly what I thought. Because the first thing my mind says is, didn't they just do that against the Jets? And I was like, no, it was the Jets that did that against them. So they just basically returned the favor to the Dolphins. I mean, it was a great throw by Fitzpatrick. But have you have you watched a more exciting three minutes of football this year? The, the Cleveland-Baltimore's game is, is, is close. But I, I might take that one personally. I, Vegas to me feels like the classic team going into the off season of an NFL where they have a bunch of talent. Everyone talks about them all off season, but for the wrong reasons. And then they can put it together next year. I know that's a crystal ball 2021. I love giving the 2021 early predictions. Um, but I mean, look, man, Miami, I also, I can't stand it. I truly can't stand it what they're doing and like Brian Flores is a Bill Belichick disciple it seems like right now what he's doing is working uh it seems like he's the first one in a while of like a Belichick disciple who seems to actually not be a coordinator guy and actually a head coach guy but I hate it bugs me to my core what they're doing when Tua struggles they pull him out and they put Fitzpatrick in I don't know if it's because they're in the playoff race and they're trying not to lose games but they have a huge matchup on Sunday, and it bothers me. If you want him to be your franchise QB, you have to leave him in there. That's how a quarterback grows. That's how you can find out if he's a franchise quarterback. Look at Anthony Lynn. He's probably going to not have a job as far as a head coach next year, and he'll be a coordinator. But, I mean, he's letting Justin Herbert sling it around, and the guy is just letting him make plays, and that's going to – propel Justin Herbert, I think, going into year two versus Tua because it's like they're keeping Tua almost on an NBA minutes restriction where they're not letting him do the things that he needs to do. It bugs me. It irritates me. Indiana, Pittsburgh. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to read the text message that uh, we had exchanged during the Pittsburgh game because if there's one person I love to talk to during Pittsburgh games or even an Eagles loss – it's you, but I tell you what, uh, it, it was very enjoyable to hear you talk about Big Ben. Um, <laughs> he, he, I mean, he was 342. He threw three touchdowns, Ryan. Okay, so he's not washed up. Uh, don't don't think that, okay? 
he they were down 24 to 14 at the end of the third philip rivers the poor guy man the poor guy he just he can't he can't seem to get a win in a one-score game in his whole NFL career on Sunday at four o'clock. It is the one thing that always, always turns up. But if there's a team that needed that because they didn't want to play Cleveland for an AFC North, because you know they were scoreboard watched and had to have been, it's kind of incredible that they ended up winning that game. But I'm telling you, man, their Achilles heel rushing the ball, it's way worse than any of us expected, even in the, the major NFL media markets. If they get on wild card weekend a loss, no one's going to be surprised. I saw a tweet, and I, I don't have the name of the person, but I saw a tweet that said the Pittsburgh Steelers could either win the Super Bowl or lose by 30 in the first round. I'm not sure which. Mm. Both of them are extremely true. As, as somebody who's watched every single minute of every single game this season, it's 100% true. They're frustrating to watch. You're oh buddy. <laughs> oh buddy, you're you're telling me. <laughs> you're telling me. Watching the Bengals game last weekend, or, or last Monday, not necessarily weekend, but whew, I was I mean, I was just basically on the floor saying, why? Why? What are we doing? And, and then this game, I, I fall into that trap again in the first half, saying, How does this how are we going to do anything? How are we going to win games? And there are people that, that come out and say, well, Roethlisberger's washed, he's done, he's this, he's that. And, and there's there's been points where even I've thought, I was like, can Mason Rudolph give us a spark that we need? But then we come out in the second half and Big Ben turns this switch and just flips whatever it is on. And it, it turns out so magically. Now there is reports coming out yesterday that, Big Ben called his own plays in the second half again. And, and if, if that's what it takes, if it takes Big Ben speeding it up and taking his own plays to win games, they need to do it. Because Ben Roethlisberger proved yesterday that they can win a game whenever he has the opportunity to throw it downfield. You got Chase Claypool involved. They threw it deep to Deontay Johnson. Remember we talked about Deontay Johnson's catch problems a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he had a diving full out sprawl catch in the end zone that was number two on Sports Center's top plays. And all I can think about is he dropped the first pass in the Buffalo and it was a screen. I mean, he just he watched it into his hands and just let it go, but he made made that catch. It was crazy. I mean, it was a great catch. No, you know, no slander there, but Pittsburgh is frustrating. <laughs> Pittsburgh is very frustrating, but in, in a, such an exciting way because when, when they come back like that, it's exhilarating, but it is it is hard to watch sometimes because you, you, you just want them to win and play four quarters for a change. It's comical also, by the way, before we move on, that uh, they had to have a team meeting about Juju dancing on logos. That's just comical to me. Um, who knows? They could be the they could be the uh, the Peacock wild card game, or they could be the Nickelodeon wild card game, uh, which is still funny to think about that Nickelodeon's going to have a wild card NFL game. But um, yeah, it, it, they're they're frustrating. Uh, I don't know what to think of them going into the playoffs. Can't... I want to see Ben Roethlisberger get slimed. Well, hey, they, they do have the slime tracker on the football, so may, may, maybe it'll have some secret slime in there. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Atlanta, Kansas City, 
game of the day by far. Uh, I mean, it really wasn't even close to tell you the truth uh, how good it was compared to maybe, I mean, the, maybe the Pittsburgh game, I guess you could make an argument there, but poor Atlanta. I mean, that's all I got to say. Poor Atlanta. I mean, they, they get it to imposition. It's almost like it is set up to go the wrong way. There's a 27 yard field goal. Young way. Uh, coup has a chance to take it into overtime Atlanta's driven down the field with no timeouts. Matt Ryan's throwing dink and dunks to Calvin Ridley, and he hooks it. He hooks it. And Kansas City's 14-1, and one, and that might be the toughest 14-1 and one team to get to 14 wins because they, they could have easily had two, two extra losses. They could be – you know what I mean? They could have three losses if it wasn't for the Vegas debacle in that Sunday night matchup. They could have had the loss this week to Atlanta. Atlanta came out like gangbusters, played well all day. And then it's just, I feel bad for him, man, because it's like the Super Bowl of 28-3 will never, ever leave the Falcons franchise. And it almost seems like it still bothers Matt Ryan at some points. You know, I don't know if, if people talk to him about that and maybe it, it does, but I mean, if we ever get him on, I feel like I, I want to ask him that because it feels like ever since the 28-3, it's like something can't get over it's like they can't get over in their own way. You know what I mean? They're always blowing big leads and it's a classic Atlanta Falcons joke. You said poor Atlanta, whenever you began your assessment yeah, of the game, Atlanta. that's, that's their narrative maybe forever is poor Atlanta because Atlanta just can't seem to find that hump and get over it. The one, the one shot you have to, there, there is a part of it that you kind of have to feel good though for because I don't necessarily believe in moral victories, but you got to think though for Atlanta, as bad as it's been and as bleak as it's been for them to get the Chiefs on that on the ropes like that, that has to feel good for him in some way. I mean, Matt Ryan's on the back half of his career. He's not going to play another 10 or so years. Uh, I, I don't think he's necessarily the issue. I, I think that there's a lot of other things that need to be addressed first there. Um, but looking at Kansas City, Make that seven straight weeks that they've played a one-score game. Seven straight games that they've played a one-score game, uh, which includes teams like the Broncos and the Panthers at the beginning of that and the Falcons, too. Um, I, I say it again. I don't think Kansas City's invincible. I genuinely don't think they're invincible. Do I think they're still the best team in the AFC? I think so. But I don't think they're invincible. And it's proved week in and week out. That if, that if a ball bounces your way, if something falls in the right direction, you can beat Kansas City. I know they're the top seed, and it's going to run through Arrowhead, but I don't think Kansas City's invincible anymore. You want a crystal ball that's super bold? You ready? Absolutely. I'd live for your crystal ball predictions. I love them. Kansas City is going to have a letdown in the playoffs, similar to the 1998 Minnesota Vikings, who went 15-1, and or the Packers, who went 14-2, and even the Ravens last year and get stunned in the playoffs because like you said, they keep winning these close games, man. They're going to get bit. It's going to come back to bite them. I feel like they're going to get stunned in the playoffs this year. Carolina, Washington. This is one we both got wrong. Yeah. Uh, Yes, we did. Uh, Washington, four turnovers, three in the first half. Watching most of that game. It is incredible. It is incredible 
that they had a chance to clinch the NFC East. And if it wasn't for Dwayne Haskins, they probably could have done it. You know what I mean? Like they, t- they put in Heineke, they benched Haskins, by the way, it, I'm surprised I haven't seen it anywhere on Instagram or Twitter today. Um, Haskins was actually asleep on the bench in the uh, third quarter, like, like passed out, like, like a nap. I, I, I'm surprised I haven't seen that anywhere. It's almost similar to like when Mark Sanchez was eating the hot dog type thing. And like, that was everywhere the next day. I am surprised no one's talked about that. Maybe it's because he got released and we talked about it. We didn't think he was going to be an NFL quarterback much longer, but I didn't expect, I thought they were going to wait till after the season. So did you, uh, <laughs> thought we'd get one more week of him as an NFL quarterback, right? Like he was bad enough to like, you know, and Ron Rivera gave the classic statement, you know, we wish him good luck. And if you've ever seen hard knocks, like when the coaches do that, that's like clearly like saying like, yeah, we don't, you know what I mean? Like, we don't think you have a type of thing. Um, it's, it is incredible that they are going to be the NBC primetime 830 game. Um, essentially, if they beat Philly, there's no scenarios for Dallas or the Giants to get in. So I know that you've been hot on the Panthers and, and liking of the Teddy Bridgewater train in this, and, and this gives a little reassurance to that, that, you know, the Panthers can be a good team, but you're, you're hundred percent right. This is so much more on how bad Washington played and Dwayne Haskins specifically. I mean, it was, it was painful to watch. It was painful to watch. And, and I, I, I liken it back to what you said the past couple episodes of comparing him to Jamarcus Russell. And I don't think the hype with Dwayne Askins, it was the same as a number one pick. So he may not, he may not carry that mega bust tag that, that someone like Ryan Lee for Jamarcus Russell does, but it is, it's just amazing. And, and actually I want to, I want to, I want to kind of look back at one of our former guests who I was reading his tweet today. Uh, Bomani Jones had a great tweet about Dwayne Haskins and, and talking about how, Sometimes when uh, when a player has basically two years of eligibility left, sometimes there's a reason and, and they're not as mature coming into the league and, and maybe it's more of a you know a chase of the money, and, and maybe in Dwayne Haskins' case that's completely it. And I think I think what you're going to see is I think you're going to see I think about you're, you're going to see him doing like the workout videos that every quarterback does and people are going to be like oh look you know yeah. he's hitting a receiver in an that's open field sure. at this high school field. Right. It's, everyone, we've all seen the videos, right? We know what those videos look like, but I, I keep thinking back to your prediction of how he's going to be in the XFL. And I did, it's not looking too far off based, based on the way that this, this week went and how everything's went, you know, you, we, we've, we beat a dead horse, but you know, strip clubs and sleeping on the side, but you, you got to grow up. I mean, that's just the end of it. If you want to play, I think Bomani said this too, so I'll you know quote him on that. But if you want to play big leagues, you gotta you gotta grow up. It's time to be a man. Yeah, and um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the clip. Someone out there find it, send it to me or Ryan. The clip of him laughing when the Giants passed on him, almost just to say like, "Hey, watch how good I'm gonna be." Like that's it came off like very arrogant. Maybe you don't remember it but he was like literally laughing out loud when they passed on him until Daniel Jones. Uh, you have, I mean, you're 10 times worse than Daniel Jones is. And I'm telling you, if, if they would have put in Heineke earlier, um, they, they, they could have won the game. I mean, Chase Young's a monster. Chase, 
it is incredible in how one player just fires up a team who I hope they change the culture in Washington. I really do like Ron Rivera and Chase Young. Cause I like to see any team, you know, turn things around really. But I mean, it is incredible how one player essentially in his rookie year is the most fiery guy and he can change things going forward. Speaking of things changing, oof, Jalen Hurts uh, in Philadelphia. Uh, the tie uh, ended up uh, not helping us get the division. Uh, go figure. Uh, we lose to Dallas 37-17. to 17. Uh, Skip Bayless did another awesome dancing video. I uh, follow Skip Bayless on Instagram, so it was very weird to watch at 9 o'clock at night uh, during halftime of the uh, Tennessee-Green Bay game. Uh, Skip Bayless pop up on my timeline dancing. Uh, but Andy Dalton, 377, three touchdowns. Everyone's on Dallas. I think they're still going to miss the playoffs because I think ultimately Philadelphia is just a, a like a more terrible team and Washington's going to be able to get that victory if, if, huge if, if Alex Smith is the one that is playing on Sunday night. Yeah, well, one other thing that I want to look at here with this game, and I, I kind of thought about as, as I was watching the Cowboys game a little bit, was Andy Dalton. So Andy Dalton was – Again, he's, he's not in that superstar echelon of quarterbacks, but he was a serviceable quarterback for the, for the Bengals for many years and, and a guy that got him to the playoffs a couple times. Not, not great, but still worthy enough of starts. Obviously, when you lose somebody like Dak Prescott, you think your season's over because he's a star-type player, right? And, and he is somebody that you can build a franchise around. But in the, in the tier of backup quarterbacks, Andy Dalton somebody that I would want to have because Andy Dalton knows what it takes to play in the league, win in the league, be successful in the league. And he did it and he's proving it. And if, and, and I'll, I'll be honest, if Dallas comes in and, and wins and makes the playoffs, I'm not going to be shocked because I'm going to, I'm pretty much going to associate that with Andy Dalton being starting quarterbacks in those games. I mean, because we remember the Ben DiNucci game, not great. Um, we remember the Garrett Gilbert game, which they very well, could have won against Pittsburgh in, in a lot of ways, but Andy Dalton has put that team on his back in a lot of ways and, and really, really kind of pushed him forward. And, and I don't think this takes anything away from the Jalen Hurts argument either. I think that you, you just need more time. I mean, again, we, we make assessments after one game, two games, three games, but you know, I still think he'll be the starter going into next year personally, and, and it will be better, but got to get him some weapons too. But you know, Dallas has really kind of turned it on. Every week we seem to talk about a different team in the in the East that could that could do it. We were once hot on the Giants and then uh, the Washington football team. And I still think uh, I'm kind of with you. I think that they'll still be the team to make it ultimately. But and here we are talking about Dallas being the hot team. So it's it's the it's the fun race. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, it is. I mean, I'm not going to go on an Eagles rant because I feel comfortable enough. And, and uh, I, I think Jalen Hurts is uh, going to be a quarterback for us for uh, I, I, eight, nine seasons, 10 seasons. I mean, you know, um, but I mean, the story for them going forward has to be Carson Wentz's contract. They, they're, they're, they're going to be looking all offseason, someone to take that. But Seattle and L.A., Two playoff teams, I mean, depending on Jared Goff's thumb, uh, reports are coming out that the thumb injury, they still don't really know, is he going to play on Sunday? And, you know, our, it, it's, it is crazy to me 
that Russ is not even being considered for the MVP. I don't really put a whole lot of stock to tell you the truth in the MVP award because it's mostly quarterbacks like Heisman is, but I mean, you know, it's really just a makeshift award. You know what I mean? Uh, Because Lamar won it last year and, and they lost, you know what I mean? And, and, and Patrick Mahomes, you know, has won the MVP and they talk about MVP, 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 like the MVP is mostly a quarterback thing anyway. So Seattle looks good. LA, I don't know what to think of them. They've had a, a rough last two weeks, right? They lose to the Jets. They lose to Seattle. Now things are getting a little dicey because they could, if scenarios play well, and I mean, the, we, we got to get Steve Kornacki on. Steve, where are you? Um, but they could find themselves sitting out of the playoff race on Sunday if the cards don't fall in their favor. Well, looking at Jared Goff and that thumb injury, Whenever it happened, I just instantly cringed up and sat back in my chair. Yeah. And I mean, and again, those who listen to the show, I never played more than high school football. So I'm no one to talk about the life as a football player, but that happens occasionally. And even at a, at a high school level, it hurts whenever you hit your hand off a helmet or it gets hit in between a helmet. It does not feel good. So I can't imagine how that feels coming down full force on a helmet like that. So I hope Jared Goff's ready to go because the Rams certainly, you know, look like a playoff team. How about Seattle's defense? Remember earlier in the season when we were talking about them kind of being the uh, low point and they're absolutely abysmal, holding the Rams to what, nine points? That's that's something. Now I understand some of that comes with Jared Goff's injury and, a, and an inability to get the ball downfield like that, but I think that's a I think that's a telling sign for the Seahawks and that maybe three team race up top whenever it comes to the to the NFC. My other assessment with the Seahawks though is, is as good as Russell Wilson has been. Here's here's my hot take alert for this episode. I think the guy that that also kind of runs that offense. Now certainly Russell Wilson is the MVP of the offense. There's no doubt about that. But the the guy that kind of makes it go and click is Chris Carson. Chris Carson at at the running back position, when you have somebody that can get you those chunk yards like Chris Carson does, it's going to make a difference. And Chris Carson is fun to watch because I've said it before, but he is one of those like bowling ball backs who very much uh, likes to run into contact and find contact. And he's fun to watch. He's going to be a difference maker whenever they get into these late playoff games. So watch out for, watch out for Chris Carson and Russell Wilson. (laughs) Um, they're going to be dangerous going into the playoffs. And, you know, it, it's – I don't want to play them. I don't think anyone does because – would you be shocked if they found themselves in the Super Bowl? I wouldn't. I mean, nope. they they play really excellent running the ball uh, as of late with, like, more like the running back by committee type. DK Metcalf is obviously tremendous. Russ is, of course, head and heels above everyone – uh, when it comes to his play and how he's taken his, you know, elite, elite status to a different stratosphere this season. Um, I think, I think uh, it, it's, it's very attainable for them to make the, even the NFC championship game. Um, we thought it was going to be the game of the day, the game of the night. Uh, ooh, were we wrong? Um, and we tend to be wrong sometimes here. <laughs> But uh, I'm going to read you a tweet, and uh, because I follow this person on Twitter, um, I, I Google their tweets from time to time because they're just so bland, okay? 
with the Packers having home field advantage in the playoffs, they will be tough to beat because of the cold weather and snow. Um, who do you think wrote that tweet? I, I know who it is, and it's very funny just because of his assessment to everything because I saw the same one. I think we need to put Magic Johnson in the booth to give his color commentary to the games because that would be – his color commentary for the games would be electric. And well, he you know used to play-by-play play 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 for uh, uh, NBC on uh, uh, NBA action, and it was so bland. And, I mean, ESPN fired him because he had bland takes because he used to be in a pregame show with uh, John Barry, Michael Wilbon, and um, uh, Stephen A. And just, I mean – Dude, you, you got to give some substance. It's so boring what he says, but who he is right though. In this scenario, he yeah. is right. <laughs> I, yeah. Yes. Yes, he is. Um, Aaron Rodgers and green Bay. I mean, they carved them up and on the first drive, you had a feeling like it was going to be not an easy night for him. Like it ended up being 40 to 14, but the way they went down the field, that first drive, like even Al Michael said, well, that was pretty methodical and easy. Yeah, it was. 36 minutes of time of possession. Aaron Rodgers, four touchdowns. A.J. Dillon, two touchdowns under 24 yards. Green Bay as a team, 448. They're the best team in the NFC. I think we finally got our answer last night. They're the best team in the NFC. It's unfortunate, Tennessee, if things don't fall their way, and we're going to have them, you know, we're going to talk about them at some point, you know what I mean, because they have a huge game this weekend too, but they could find themselves out of the playoff race just as well as the Rams could all based on what happens coming this coming weekend, but they carved them up and it's pretty incredible what Aaron Rodgers is doing in green Bay. Um, he had 40 touchdowns going into last night, 44 on the season. The guy's unreal. He's unstoppable. That team looks head and shoulders uh, as the best team in the NFC. But I think there's things there going forward, like the Tannehill, you know, busted run last night where Tannehill scored and made it 1914 at one point those are the kind of things that you have to look at Green Bay even if they have the home field advantage with no fans it's in the words of Magic Johnson tough to beat in the cold and the snow <laughs> again he is right <laughs> so we'll I'll give we'll give Magic some credit on that but what I didn't expect was Green Bay to put up 40 points and in a snow laden game with Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball everywhere the way that he did. Um, I, I think what I expected was maybe a little bit more low scoring of a game, but the Packers still win the game. But it's it's a testament to where Aaron Rodgers is at. He is he is on a different level than anybody else in the NFC. Him and him and Russ stand alone this year in their own category of NFC quarterbacks. And Aaron Rodgers continues to prove it. And Devontae Adams, same thing. That guy is that guy, and especially in the NFC and, and really the whole the whole NFL this year is a is a different animal. But I, I can't say that a lot of that's unexpected because we when we assessed the Cleveland Tennessee game a couple of weeks ago, we said, look out, Baker Mayfield might have a good game against a 28th ranked passing defense. And you know, you have to imagine if Baker Mayfield can do it. Aaron Rodgers can probably do it a little bit better would be my assumption, at least, um, you know, holding Derrick Henry to uh, under a hundred yards is impressive too. Their defense was, was certainly ready to play and ready to hit uh, whenever it came to that. And the Tannehill run was funny because 
Uh, I'm sure you saw it on the broadcast, and many of our listeners probably did too. It was an RPO play. So Tannehill holds it, and basically watch you watch the entire defense commit to Derrick Henry to do that. So the, the, the only thing that's concerning about that is, is, you know, you obviously don't want that to happen when it comes playoff time, right? But there's also not as another running back as talented and will probably draw that much attention as Derrick Henry does. So Green Bay is, is top dog right now. And, and I'll have to be honest, as, as good as the Saints have looked and obviously the Kamara game we talked about, Seattle plays a good game. I mean, Green Bay looks like the NFC champions right now. I don't want to crown them early, but the T-shirts are probably being printed, I would assume. Is that a crystal ball? Throw it in there. Mm, okay. Uh, so that's another episode in the books. Uh, Ryan, our next two episodes are going to be football, football heavy. Uh, <laughs> there's so many playoff scenarios that we're going to be diving into on Friday, plus the playoff. And look, we're not Steve Karnacki. We don't have percentages. We don't have a telestrator in front of us. Um, but there are so many things, especially with that AFC wildcard picture that's taking place and the NFC. Uh, there's a lot of things happening that we're going to have to dive into because it's almost like every game and even clinching scenarios. I mean, cause new Orleans still could somehow clinch the one seed. I mean, there's so many things up in the air. Buffalo could drop down to the three or even drop down to the four, depending on thing, how things play out. So we're going to be football heavy. And then our very episode after that, you know, I mean, we're, it's going to be all the coaches getting fired and recapping week 17. So, you know, it's going to be very football heavy the next couple episodes, but Ryan, where can they listen to these episodes and listen to the great guests we have coming up, not only uh, on Friday, but going into 2021. Sure. And speaking of 2021, another thing that we're going to talk about is the college football playoffs, which start on the day of our episode drop too. So football is going to be a, a, a big point of contention on, <laughs> on, on Thursday for us recording and then Friday for the episode. But if you're going to listen to those episodes and if you're a football fan, you're going to find us on Apple, you're going to find us on Spotify and you're going to subscribe. So, you know, when the episodes come out and you get the notification because you know, that, that notification pops down on drop down menus, turn our notifications on. So, you know, when we're, when the episode drops, you're also going to leave a rating because you love the show. That's that's the next thing you're going to do. You're going to hear the episode and go, wow, that's great analysis. Drop a, drop a rating. Love that. But you're also going to follow us on social media. So you're going to follow us on Facebook. You're going to follow us on Twitter. You're going to follow us on Instagram for all the show updates, everything normal that we always talk about. But you're also going to follow us on the new hot thing, TikTok. So find us on TikTok. And that's where we do some breaking news, some one-off analysis that we can't talk about in every episode. And we'll post some of them to our social medias, but be sure you're following us on all four of them so you can get regular updates about the show in every capacity and leave a rating. We're going to try to keep it under two hours on Friday. I promise we might not be able to do it because we essentially have to go through almost every game to talk about the playoff scenarios and how they'll play out. But um, we have some huge things lined up, guys. We truly appreciate you guys keep listening. Uh, we're, we, we keep growing listeners every single episode. Like Ryan said, leave a rating. Just leave a rating. And Ryan, we'll see everyone on Friday. See you then.